right. Well, earlier we read from the book of Matthew, thank you, um, chapter 1, and we have this theme of the angel, um, God's messengers, and uh, we read about how the angel brought a message to Joseph. And it's a message for Joseph, but it's also a message for us. We read, uh, the, the angel said that this coming baby Jesus will save his people from their sins. This message is called the gospel. Gospel means good news. And as Christians, we believe it's the best news in the world, as it's the only way to true and everlasting life. So I want to take a look at, at this passage together again. If, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And my prayer for us is to respond to, to God's message by coming to Jesus with our sin and experiencing his saving power. So let's start with Joseph. What was this all like for him? Um, I'll read it. Uh, verse, uh, verse 18, um, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. And so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So we meet Joseph, this Jewish man. He's likely 18 to 20 years old, and he's living uh, with the rest of his people under Roman rule in Palestine. And we read that he's engaged to be married to Mary. Um, Engagement at that time was legally binding. It actually took divorce to break it. And, uh, and then, crisis. He learns that she's pregnant. Um, so it's, it's a moment of crisis. And in that culture, he could have brought charges of adultery. That was very much illegal, uh, very much against the law. Uh, he could have made a really big deal about this in public and heaped on shame. Um, but, of course, he doesn't. It says he was a righteous man. He's going to quietly break it off and then figure out what's next in life. So undoubtedly, he's feeling hurt and betrayed. The plans that he just had uh, just got upended. But of course, they're going to get upended a whole lot more. So let's continue in the passage. And, and, and as we read, um, let's think about how would Joseph have heard these words Maybe when he wakes up the next morning and he's thinking through, what just happened? What did I just hear? Um, verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel calls Joseph son of David. And here the angel is referring to the fact that Joseph descends from the kingly line of David. Like David's his ancestor. And Joseph knew this probably his whole life, but it wouldn't have seemed like it mattered. Israel hasn't had a king for around 600 years. The person they call king, we heard about him too, was Herod. Herod is a brutal, paranoid tyrant. And he was placed there by the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus. 
But now the angel calls Joseph the son of David. So apparently it does matter after all. And then he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And isn't it beautiful how the angel starts by speaking to his fears? Joseph was undoubtedly thinking, if if he got married now, what would other people think? What would they think of him and his wife and his child in this culture? That's a fear of shame. It's powerful. But the angel said, do not be afraid for the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. From knowing the Jewish scriptures, he would have recognized that the Holy Spirit is God himself directly at work among people. So um, uh, let's, let's see, verse 21, he says, uh, you'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He said his people. So this unborn baby, his people, this is kingly talk. And, and he said he will save them. And this is Messiah talk. Um, as as we, we just talked about, prophets had told of a coming Messiah king from David's line who would save God's people and restore the kingdom. So as Joseph is facing a moment of crisis, this, here's a huge change in perspective. God is at work. <clears throat> the angel didn't say he would save them from the Romans. That's probably what everyone expected. That's what everyone wanted. And as big a problem as the Romans were for the Jews, they actually had a bigger problem. Uh, Jesus came to save them from their sins. So that statement in verse 21 means that sin is a really big deal. We could define sin as wrongdoing. Sin is doing anything contrary to God's good design for humanity. So what did Joseph think of this word sins? Maybe, maybe surprising. Um, well, he would have known about the Ten Commandments and God's good law. Sin is breaking that. He also knew Israel's history. The prophets had said the reason their kingdom collapsed was because of their sin. Sins of idolatry and injustice. And we can read this in the Old Testament throughout, in fact, <clears throat> the troubled history of ancient Israel, sin has always been the problem. And it's always been the problem in human history. So Jesus is coming to address the root problem. He came to save his people from their sins. And when it says his people, <clears throat> was this just for ancient Israel? For Joseph's people? Well, how do you think of the word sin? The idea of sin might evoke some skepticism, or it might bring feelings of shame. Skepticism or shame. And I want to briefly speak to both. So first, it's possible that sin sounds kind of antiquated, or at least maybe it feels like it's not the biggest deal for me right now. And I think there's a belief behind this feeling. You've probably heard it. It's the idea that people are basically good. Uh, it sounds so positive. We'd, we'd certainly like it to be true. But it doesn't take long to read the news, not to mention history, to see that there is real bad in the world that people are bringing about. And on a personal level, we've all had experiences of being sinned against, right? Maybe from family members, friends, church people, neighbors, coworkers. We've all had this experience of others doing something wrong to us, 
and getting hurt in some way. And the Bible calls wrongdoing sin. But what's especially tragic is that we're not just sinned against. The Bible teaches that we each also propagate the problem by sinning against others. Uh, And usually that's harder to see. It's a lot easier to see the sin that's out there than what's in here. And I don't at all want to minimize the sin that's out there or sin that's been done against you. I don't want to minimize that. And at the same time, it would be equally unhelpful to minimize the sin in here. So let me give an example from parenting. And if you have kids in your life, you'll probably relate. If you grew up with brothers and sisters, you'll probably relate. I'll keep this very anonymous. Sibling A does something mean to sibling B. And sibling B does, does something mean right back. So did sibling A's sin make it okay for sibling B to sin? Like, of course not. And now maybe a parent gets involved and then explodes in anger and sins against them both. So, you know, maybe relatable. Did, did the sin of the children justify the sin of the parents? Uh, no. <laughs> it feels like yes. Uh, but no. Uh, the, uh, each person is only thinking, probably, of the other person's sin. It's, it's natural. It's so much easier to see the sin that's out there than the sin that's in here. So the best possible response for each person is to come to Jesus with their own sin and experience his saving power. So when it comes to our own sins, we tend to minimize them or justify them or just be blind to them. And if we try to engage the sin that's out there, living in a broken world, if we try to engage with that without addressing the sin in here, it doesn't go well. So sin is like an infection. There's freedom and healing in coming to Jesus honestly with our own sin and experience his saving power. Um, and then we can engage with the sin out there in a healthy way. Um, Frank pointed this out as we were talking together, that in, in Greek, the word for saving and healing are the same. So this analogy of sin like an infection, we need healing, and don't let it go undiagnosed. So for me, there, there was a turning point in my own life where God made this really real to me. I was in middle school, so kids, youth, this message is for you too. Um, I heard a pastor uh, preach on this topic and realized how much I was blaming others for what was actually my sin. And, and then God helped me see why Jesus' saving was so powerful. Uh, he changed things in me, like sinful anger, that I didn't like about myself but couldn't change on my own. And I experienced a lot of joy. Being saved from sin is good news. I mentioned there were two ways you might think of sin. So maybe you're not skeptical. Maybe you know your sin and your failures. And more than that, you feel like a failure. And I relate to that too. There can be a belief behind this feeling that I have to get my acts together to be accepted by God or others. So let's continue in the passage because it speaks to this. Uh, Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. So, how does the name Jesus, right before this, fulfill the name Emmanuel in the prophecy? So, Jesus means the Lord saves. Frank spoke on this last week. Emmanuel means God is with us. So, put those together, we see that Jesus who saves is God with us. God came to be with us to save us from our sins. And this is different from every other religion, where religion is about making yourself better in order to get to God or some higher spiritual power. And the Bible teaches that instead, God came down to be with us. God came down to be in us, to be with us, to save us from our sin. So shame says, I'm not worthy of being with God until I prove myself. But the truth is, we can't prove ourselves. He came to be with us in love to save us. So now, what if you believe that? You've put your faith in Jesus, and yet you feel this struggle of being stuck in shame. And the point I want to make there is that as believers, we still respond to Jesus by bringing him our sins and experience his, to experience his saving power. And I want to zoom out a bit as, as we read about the word saving in the rest of the New Testament. It's clear there's a dynamic of past, present, future. And, uh, and so the, the, the past sense of saving— um, Believers have been saved from the penalty of sin because of Jesus. But in the present tense, believers are being saved from the power of sin through Jesus. We've been saved from its penalty, and we're being saved from its power. And we look forward to the future when we will be saved from the presence of sin and all its effects. So it's not just—it's it's not that Jesus came to save us from the penalty, and now it's up to us to get ourselves in order from here on out. No, God wants us to regularly confess our sins. To, we turn away from our sins and towards Jesus, and in doing so, we continually experience his saving power. This is how we grow and are changed Um, we experience God's goodness in place of that sin, and this is a lifelong journey. And I think it's it's also important to to note that sometimes that act of turning away from sin towards Jesus means getting help. So Jesus doesn't just save us in isolation. It says here he came to save a people. And the Bible also teaches that he gives his Holy Spirit to ordinary, imperfect believers— and he works through them. So, so that when it comes to hab- habitual sins, addictions, uh, this is where we need the help of Christian friends, um, an elder, maybe a counselor. And, and God's used other people like this in my life as well, where in these areas I've experienced God's saving power as he changed things again that I didn't like and couldn't change on my own. Um, Because shame makes us want to isolate from God and from other people. But if God is with us, that changes everything. He came to save us from the power of our sins. So back to Joseph. How did Joseph respond after hearing the message from God? And uh, 
invite the band to start coming back up. Verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So Joseph believed the message, and he did what God said. And as a result, God used him as part of his great redemptive plan for us. So how should we respond? Um, And I think if we respond to this idea of sin with skepticism, then it's, it's like having a fatal, undiagnosed infection that leads to harm and ultimately death. Or if we respond to this idea of sin with shame, uh, feeling stuck in shame, then we, we're stuck feeling like we have to figure out how to save ourselves. And, uh, and we can't. Instead, we can believe the message from God that we read here, it, which shows that my sin is a very big deal, just as Israel's sin was a bigger problem than being ruled over by the Romans. And yet... God loves me more than I can even imagine because he came to be with me to save me from my sins. So Joseph's belief led to action. Um, The angel's message enabled him to let go of the fear of shame in his culture and bravely take Mary as his wife. So for us, what's the action? Um, Ken mentioned uh, John the Baptist uh, who, who preached. This is this, when, when Jesus grows up and he begins preaching, he says the same thing. And the first thing Matthew records is Jesus saying, repent of your sins for the kingdom of heaven is here. Um, repent means to turn from sin and towards God. Um, so that's the action. It, it's, it starts with prayer. And it may also mean bravely reaching out to other believers for help. So I'd, I'd really encourage you to do that. If there's something you feel convicted by and relate to, um, don't, don't wrestle with it alone, but, uh, but reach out. Talk it through with other believers. Um, I had asked the question of, was this message just for Joseph's people? And it's clear that we see in Scripture, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become his people. Um, Matthew is all about this when we read the rest of the book. In fact, he ends the book with Jesus just before he ascends back into heaven after being crucified and resurrected. Uh, He tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations. Um, So that's for us. We get to be the people of Jesus. Jesus also said there that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's still God with us. So let us respond to the angel's message from God by coming to Jesus with our sin and experiencing his saving power. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for the joy that, um, that I and so many people here have experienced um, by receiving this message of good news. And would we grow in that joy and live in the life you have for us? Um, I pray for people to be set free from, uh, from shame 
and uh, that you would bring beautiful conviction of sin, that it would lead to, to joy and freedom and life as we read. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to introduce communion, which we'll celebrate together in a few minutes. Um, the point there is that for Jesus to save his people from their sin, it was extremely costly. It led him to the cross. So that even though he was the only human who never sinned, he took the penalty of our sins through the death penalty of a Roman crucifixion. And so, so the bread reminds us that he came to be with us, that God stepped down to be with us. And uh, the wine or the juice reminds us of his blood shed. Um, it reminds us of his love, that he loved us that much to meet us in our sin and save us from it. So if you believe, I, I invite you to come up and take a piece of bread and dip it in the wine or the juice as a way of, of saying, I accept and remember and celebrate this gift on Christmas Eve. Of course, again, Jesus didn't stay dead. He's alive. And uh, he, he said, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we'll celebrate. Uh, the, the band's going to play some music. We're, we're going to read some more of the Christmas story and take some time to reflect and then uh, celebrate communion together. Thanks for being with us.